listening to the Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop, shit, and strategy for oil, energy, and politics. Here's your host, Catherine Mills. Welcome back to the Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and, of course, all things strategy for oil, energy, and politics. I am Catherine Mills. And before we kick off today's show, I know it has been a hot minute since I have checked in with you. Um, I really apologize for that, but for the last two and a half weeks, I have been plagued with kidney stones. I kid you not. It has been two and a half weeks of morphine pills and hospital visits, and I have not had one and maybe four years. I mean, it's just, it's like Biden took office. He sent out his first tweet as president of the United States. And my body literally had a visceral reaction to (laughs) all of the chaos that came our way. I mean, literally, I'm not telling you this for sympathy. Uh, The truth is, I just honestly, I just cannot believe it. It has been such an interesting two weeks. (laughs) For those of you who know, like when you get a kidney stone, you change and you change quick. My boyfriend has never seen anyone in like that amount of pain. And to him, I was rolling on the floor, you know, speaking in tongues and needing an exorcism. And the reality was, is it was just very strategically aligned cuss words saying, take me to the hospital. So if anyone can imagine that, I am back. I'm actually I'm actually still fighting this very last one, which is why we're pushing the two and a half weeks marks. But, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be back and uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes of all of this. But moving on, luckily for all of you, <laughs> I woke up from my induced stupor just in time to see Trump acquitted that nationwide freeze that we're still dealing with, you know, it's from the depths of hell itself. And we haven't seen anything like it since maybe the 1800s. But what's even more disturbing, even more disturbing is that somehow making the social rounds are grown women putting Gorilla Glue in their hair. I mean, seriously, this is almost as bad as Tide Pod Pizza. What in the world happened in two and a half weeks. It seems to me that everyone's having some sort of visceral or psychotic reaction to Biden's 54, yes, 54, if you haven't been keeping track, executive orders. You're not seeing most of that posted in the media anymore because on social, we were calling him a dictator ruling by pen, dismissing Congress, everything that he should have been called out for. So now the media has to keep it quiet because We have to support boring Biden. We cannot have this, you know, uh, narrative out there that shows that he is actually the one who is radical, actually the one who is unprecedented. You know, keep it keep it neutral. We've been waiting for this man for decades. Yeah, well, he's been in office since he was 29. He hadn't accomplished shit. So one of the things I noticed in my morphine induced stupor on the couch was uh, Jen Psaki, the, the press secretary, I know everyone's making fun of her and, you know, she is the circle back girl, but even painkillers do not make this woman sound intelligent. She has nothing to say. She is so disconnected. And I'm sorry, but like saying, well, a woman's in charge of this position now or, you know, a man of color is in charge of this position now. No, merit and track record is the only thing you should be referring to if you really want all of that to go away. Otherwise, you're just continuing to push it. And you keep circling back, which tells everyone in the world that you don't know what you're dealing with. And talking about the president's favorite ice cream on Twitter. Are you kidding me? Like, where where is the hard pressing journalism? Where is the accountability? Where is the transparency that Biden talked about? You know, right now we're keeping it boring. We're keeping him neutral. We're trying to make him Uncle Joe in the kitchen. Well, newsflash. Jen Psaki. He's still creepy Uncle Joe hitting on the small children. So what is your role? How much longer do you think this woman is going to last? I mean, I don't see any future for her in politics. She can barely keep up. But jumping back to subjects that actually matter, if you did not think that the heavens were talking before, they are definitely talking now. And it has been in the form of an epic ice storm. So let's start with energy. 
Since Texas is all the rage right now, freezing cold Texas, I've got so many friends down there who are just, they're fed up and I don't blame them, but everyone seems to be offering up their opinions. But has the media realized that there are over 17 states experiencing epic freezes right now? I mean, historic freezes that have not been seen in over 100 years. But you would think that only Texas is failing. Only Texas has been hit with this ice storm. It's just not the case. People, I am in the energy business, okay? I am an engineer for oil and gas. My focus is upstream, meaning that I quite literally identify, quantify, drill, produce oil and gas resources all over the world. I've been fortunate enough to work in almost every major basin across the United States, Canada, South America, and across the pond. And it's, I mean, this is just mind-blowing how everyone is a self-proclaimed expert at this point. Let me, let me be clear. While you're blaming oil and gas and making fun of alternatives, the oil field itself, it's broken down into the upstream sector, which is production, that's my side, midstream, which are pipelines, and then downstream, which are refineries. Oil and gas, the oil and gas industry is not associated with utilities or utility pipelines that deliver resources directly to your house for energy consumption. That's way past the oil and gas industry that falls into the utilities industry. And good Lord, I mean, wind does not like being made fun of. The wind industry, they cannot take a joke. So let's go ahead and make it very clear. Although oil and gas rags on alternative energy, because we're king, we are base load. It's mostly because end users, such as liberal end users, do are not interested, do not understand, have no intention of understanding how or why energy works. And the reality is that energy, despite its form, is energy. So makes a lot of sense that those in the energy industry, you know, we poke fun at each other, but we also get it. Listen to an oil man. <laughs> First and foremost, Please understand that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, energy is a humanitarian issue. Reliable, affordable, consistent energy should not be a partisan issue. And yet I am seeing those self-proclaimed experts popping off about alternative energies versus the failures of the Texas grid. It does not matter if you are wind, solar, geothermal, hydro, nuclear, oil and gas. All forms of energy are supported by all other forms of energy. Period. Y'all, period. So let's get this clear. It has been like this for decades. The energy sector, all we're very intertwined, very intertwined. But the media and the politicians don't want you to know that because they need to keep up the narrative of big bad oil. Yeah, the oil field has a history. So does the Industrial Revolution. But the thing is, is that it kills their narrative and their initiatives when everyday citizens start learning about the resources they are consuming. So this is why AOC, Bernie, Biden, and all those other fools out there are claiming to understand the energy industry, such as Hunter, because, you know, he is a petroleum expert, <laughs> just asperisma, <laughs> are claiming that they're claiming that there's mass terror because of oil and gas, and it's plain out gaslighting. I mean, help the protesters that attack our industry I don't know if you've ever done any research into them, but these people are paid. They have no idea what they're doing and they show up in black Escalades. I mean, consistently, George Soros all the way. They may as well have a bumper sticker just tattooed across their forehead. So the truth is, I don't really care what side of the aisle you're on. You need to read two books and two friends. Well, one friend of mine. Uh, the book is called A Question of Power. It's by Robert Bryce. Um, actually, he has a podcast and I helped him get it started. So a real nice guy, but he really breaks down electricity. And I would suggest joining his newsletter as well, because he always gives some really good insight as to what's happening from the geopolitical standpoint. The other is the moral case for fossil fuels. We have been taught through liberal education that fossil fuels are evil that we are destroying the earth, that we are watching it burn. Y'all, please, please understand that 
for every negative narrative, there's a cover-up. I mean, just across the board, this is not Harvey Weinstein-type situation. Energy is consumed by everyone. It literally, we can look at Brazil. It has literally, in our lifetime, lift nations out of epic poverty. And nobody wants to talk about the benefits that have come because of the innovations from oil and gas. The socialists would have you believing that alternative energies are the only answer to the future and that oil, gas, nuclear and coal, nuclear being the best, by the way, like I don't understand why nobody even understands that anymore. But nuclear being the best, like I said, they're burning and poisoning the earth right in front of your very eyes. And that's just not that's simply not the truth. Like, I don't care how hard you push this narrative. It's just not true. In fact, it is so far from the truth. So why the fight back? I mean, you have to stop and ask yourself, uh, when we see, when we can physically see windmills freezing, you, you see the, the left jumping on the narrative, don't you make fun of alternative energies uh, through the social platforms? Don't you take down or discredit energy investments in the future, alternative energy? Well, It's all being done to push the Green New Deal, to push this narrative that we have to adopt and promote alternative energies. Y'all, alternative energies have been around for decades (laughs) and successfully around. The idea of the Green New Deal uh, to to the layman, and I, I understand this, to anyone out there who is not in the energy field, you like the idea, right, of the environmental movement, of of the green push, because who wants to actually destroy the earth? No, no one. That's stupid. We live here. We're trying to make it better for our kids. But go back to some of my earlier episodes, all right? The environmental movement was a socialist agenda pushed for the per- very purposes of destroying capitalism back in the 1970s. So the sentiment is definitely a green sentiment because nobody wants to destroy the earth. The organizations, the end goal, the leaders that be pushing it, they have they don't care about the earth. They don't care about the environmental movement, the green movement, because that's not their end goal. Their end goal is an attack on capitalism. They want ultimate control. And to get ultimate control, you have to take away options and make people desperate. So what we're seeing is a breakdown in energy literacy. We saw failures in natural gas processing, uh, reductions in fossil fuels, but we'll get into that. And again, the BS narrative driven by socialists who have realized that breaking America's energy security is yet another way to have the middle class, the prominent middle class, dependent on government. Okay, this is not new. This is not shocking. (laughs) This is pretty on brand. (laughs) It's gaslighting at its finest, and the layman eats it up because it sounds good, right? But again, I go back to the question, who actually wants to kill the earth? Who wants to destroy the future of the world in general, the future of America? I don't know anybody who wants to do that outside of the current administration. It's it's just stupid. Like, the narrative is stupid. So listen, for those of you who have not realized... um. Texas is leading in wind farms, okay? And and that's great because it is a new source of energy, or at least it seems great, right? The Texas Plains provide enough consistent wind to and open spaces, right? Land use is the primary concern with any form of energy. So open spaces means West Texas doesn't have a lot of people in it, so they can put wind farms there because they're not disrupting or displacing the human population, just the environment. (laughs) However, what is left out of the narrative is the profitability side. Alternative energies are backed by subsidies. So the government, when implementing a subsidy, is quite literally choosing who is a winner and who is a loser. They are not burdened with the taxes and other regulations that say oil and gases. However, long-term consistent energy is always going to be baseload energy, and that can only be provided by oil and gas or other forms of fossil fuels. So think of it this way. If the government is choosing who gets to win and who gets to lose in the energy sector, 
it really has nothing to do with science or reliability or providing consistent, (laughs) affordable, reliable energy to the masses. It has to do with the lobbyist whose pockets are getting filled by said initiative, right? So I want everyone, I mean, you can be a liberal and be disagreeing with me and rolling your eyes and I just don't care because that is the reality of the situation. And for all of you in alternative energies, you know very well what I'm speaking about. So don't come back to me with, well, you know, the levelized cost of operating. Everyone gets that that is a normalization curve applied to an operation stream that would be nothing without your subsidies. Okay, green energy is not that green and everyone needs to calm down. Just stop calling them alternatives. I I get that it is a great marketing, but energy is energy and they support each other. So yeah, Texas, number one in wind. Land use issues, maybe, sure, whatever. But overall, yeah, the introduction of additional energy sources is quite a positive. And so in Texas, you know, you're hearing it across the news right now because people are freezing to death. Uh, Wind really only counts for a quarter of the grid. And I've seen different accounts of since since Texas is on its own grid system, um, 17 to 25 percent of grid support. But a side note on that is if you look at any state that can host wind uh, farms, turbines, energy, solar farms, anything like that, somehow they always fall under that 30%. And to me, it's a little convenient, but it also really hasn't changed since the 70s. Like you see it go up a little bit, but doesn't that seem kind of like interesting that it's just enough to get the federal payouts? Because it doesn't support the grid on a long-term basis. It only supports peak. And that's all great, but come on. Like, let's do causation and correlation here. (laughs) So here's the thing, people. This is where baseload energy, like I've been talking about base and uh, peak, right? Baseload energy for consistent, reliable energy generation can only come from a few sources. That is the fossil fuels. So oil, gas, coal. We're killing off coal because Germany was able to do it. False. Germany has put in multiple coal plants and they are on a completely unique grid system, not an independent grid system. So you actually cannot call that. Nuclear which is actually the best form, as I said earlier. It is the most reliable. It's the safest. Um, Yeah, if something went totally wrong, we've seen it in our lifetime. It can have devastating effects, but the likelihood of that happening are like slim to none. The reason we don't see more nuclear in the United States is because of the Sierra Club (laughs) and Greenpeace. I mean, God, you can just Google this and it's so easy, but they fought them. Okay, no justification. Look up one of Alex Epstein's debates against the head of the Sierra Club. There's no justification. It was just a feeling. We went off a feeling, not science. And therefore, the most consistent, reliable and affordable form of energy, we killed it in the 70s. And then you're mad at oil and gas. Oh, sit down. The other one is geothermal, but you need some very specific conditions because geothermal is heat, right? We're also seeing that legacy assets in the oil and gas sector are actually proving to be great options for geothermal. So reduce, reuse, recycle, but we're seeing it across the oil field. And that that's awesome. No matter which way you slice it, as we're learning, baseload is the only version of energy that can be successfully stored for later consumption. And Peak has made some progress in this, but the reality is, is Peak is from additional energy sources that are not typically able to be stored for later consumption by utility companies. So it it really just is that simple. You know, either it's consistent or it's not. But now we see 3.5 million people in Texas who are without power. And y'all, it's bad. Carbon monoxide poisonings, death, freezings to death. People are drinking boiled water, which if you don't do that right, you end up poisoning yourself from bacteria. It is complete distress for all those self-proclaimed experts, all those politicians who maybe visited one drill rig and got a few pictures. Please shut up and listen to the engineers and the scientists who are actually in the energy field who can make it better because we understand what's going on. And you are just popping off for the sake of five minutes on CNN. And it's disgusting. 
Worse, our moron president is signing into law prophecies and lies about the oil and gas market to satisfy, what, 20% of social unrest? The 20% that will never be satisfied no matter what bill you sign because they quite literally want to shut off pipelines and send people back into the Stone Age. If you don't have energy sources, don't tell me that you're moving forward with you know, progressive America that you're making people's lives and daily lives more affordable and better and convenient, you're pushing us backwards. And I don't see one of y'all giving up your cell phone or your car or stopping to think, hey, I'm going to protest this thing, but why am I riding there in an Escalade? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Your argument makes no sense because it's not founded on anything but emotion. Okay. And your emotion is founded on maybe 1,400 characters from Twitter. We understand that this is devastating for Texas. Texas was not prepared for this. Their grid system has not seen anything like this in over 100 years. So it wasn't prepared. It wasn't weatherized. People have been working around the clock to get everything back up. But because it is so cold, peak demand was coming from every household. You can look at the you know, the charts that have been uh tracking energy consumption and like the whole state is bloody red. That That's why we're seeing induced blackouts to get energy where it can be. But unfortunately, what that's leading to is like 30 hours without power. <laughs> it's just if you can help your neighbor, if you can check on an elderly, uh, if you can go make sure the kids just boil your water a little extra longer. You know, if you're boiling water, chances are you're hooked up to the gas line, which did not freeze. <laughs> but even their water system, and again, I, I actually work in water as well. Um, when water freezes, it expands and it will crack just about anything. Water is the most destructive force on Earth, and we are seeing it turn steel and iron into rubble with, you know, valves and pipes and flow meters. And it's just, oh my God, guys, Texas might not have been prepared, but they had no reason to expect something this catastrophic. And that's just the way it is. They're going to let in just enough wind to get some sort of payoff from the Fed government, some sort of bailout with money we don't have because Barack Obama set a precedent of $4 trillion spend a year, and we have way exceeded that because of artificially induced COVID practices. <laughs> but there was decreased production. And this happened for a plethora of reasons. I'm not sure if any of you remember last year, but I sure as heck do. And we had two massive black swan events hit the energy sector. But before that, we had private equity. And it's been about 15 years worth of private equity turning the upstream and midstream sectors into Ponzi schemes of oil. Do not forget that private equity is responsible for most of the dry holes drilled out there because they refuse to listen to the engineers or to the scientists within industry. They just want to drill, baby, drill, do what I say, and I have the money, so I have the power. Cash is king, right? But then throw on President Biden. God, it makes me sick when I hear his name said like that. He's just such a gross man. Bernie Pelosi and you know, everyone's favorite AOC, the mouthpiece. God, that woman is a moron. I, if you follow me on Twitter, I flat out said to her the other day, dear, you are a moron. Stay away from the energy grid. You're not going to fix anything. You haven't fixed anything for the constituents that you're supposedly representing. Stop talking about things you don't know. Stop. I mean, this woman has posed for more photo ops so that she has what credibility, but I do like seeing all of the uh, memes going around with putting her at like World War II or Normandy or, you know, at the border wall or in the car with JFK. I mean, she has survived thousands of tragedies, so she is qualified, right? She's been to engineering school. She's passed basic algebra. She obviously knows what she's talking about. The reality is, people, is that we as Americans, the average individual, we need to get smarter. We need to take a step back and recognize what is marketing dramatics and what is actually like intentionally gaslighting us for another agenda. The dramatics of the Green Veil have nothing to do with the environmental movement. Again, gaslighting. What Americans need to be more aware of are the impacts from increased energy consumption. If you really want to curb the industry, 
you need to stop ordering Amazon Prime every five minutes. I mean, it's just that simple. Maybe put your phone down, maybe not charge it every 30 seconds. When I tell you that oil and gas production is 80% geopolitical and the decisions are primarily made under some sort of green curtain, such as the Keystone Pipeline decision, Biden's yet another decision to further investigate, even though Obama's team on five separate occasions said that the emissions and overall environmental impact would be so significantly reduced because of the pipeline, because there would be, you know, an alternative to trucks and rail. You need to listen because the layman's idea of the green movement is not the agenda of the green movement. And I just felt every liberal who's potentially listening to me <laughs> roll their eyes. I don't care. You are you are ignoring facts and you're going off of, well, she's just biased. Well, damn straight I'm biased. I work in the industry. I know what I'm talking about. And if you don't believe me, maybe you should check out how Biden killed the Keystone Pipeline on his first day, but has been encouraging a Taliban-supported pipeline from Turkmenistan, which would go across Afghanistan and Pakistan into India. Yes, India needs more resources. There's no different. But this push for environmental safety and humanitarian efforts is an absolute farce. Look below in the show notes for this article. I mean, more and more is going to come out of it. And you're going to see, you'll never see like CNN or ABC or any of them actually talk about this because it's truth. (laughs) And they don't need truth. They just need ratings, right? But By killing the Keystone Pipeline, Canada has to become more dependent on external resources of oil. And actually, so does the U.S. And I mean, if we if our refineries really do need heavier crude, if they haven't had the opportunity to upgrade like we would like them to for the sweeter, uh, sweeter resources. Why don't we do pipelines from Canada instead of ships from Saudi? Again, geopolitical, that's the answer why. There are personal agreements that pay out big time happening up in Washington. And the worst part is, is there's no investigative journalism on it because it kills a narrative. Don't forget that over 14 attorney generals wrote letters to Biden when he killed the Keystone Pipeline, calling his cancellation a political reward for the socialist left. Yeah. It's a political award because you're encouraging socialism elsewhere. You're killing off the middle class. And these are people who have no idea what they're actually voting for. They don't actually understand the environmental movement. And they have no idea what they're actually protesting. Well, maybe some do, but they aren't the middle class. They would be the group donating over $58 million to the Biden campaign. And incidentally, they own the railways and the shipyards and their names are Warren Buffett and George Soros. So trust me, all of those claiming that pipelines are evil, you are the reason that we have such disarray between the environmental movement and the achievements of oil and gas for the environmental movement. So do your homework. And when I say do your homework, I really, I actually mean do your homework. Come back and fight with me all you want. But ask yourself, why would Biden say no to a responsible and regulated pipeline across the Midwest and then broker a deal for a pipeline from Turkmenistan? Do some research on this country because they have more humanitarian infractions than North Korea. I mean, feeding your uncle to a dog is, you know, a typical Saturday morning in Turkmenistan. Whereas North Korea, it's a show, but it goes across Afghanistan. And you know what has to be brokered when you go across across Afghanistan is an agreement with the Taliban not to destroy your pipeline. It is quite literally protection money being paid to the Taliban in terms of millions to billions of dollars. And that money is coming from the United States because we're helping broker the deal. All right. Realize that he might fight a pipeline here at home. But he's setting it up for Saudi, for Russia, for China, elsewhere. So he is not your president. He's their president. I understand, again, that liberals are rolling their eyes and turning their cheek. But this has nothing to do with the Paris Accord or the sentiment of the Paris Accord. If you've actually read it, it's an economic disaster. Go educate yourself. This has nothing to do with saving the earth. 
All right. Moving forward, because that is my energy rant, and it happens every single time I get online. Back here at home base, Trump is the reigning impeachment champ, two-time impeachment champ. And what's funny about that is America is the two-time World War champ. Um, It's funny because it's true. Literally, two impeachment trials, and based off of rumors, no credibility, and false, false information, watching from the couch in my ultra-drugged stupor of kidney stones, I was able to see, I mean, it was political theatrics at its finest. I mean, it was the highlight reel. They are still talking about the riveting and imaginary, imaginary, as in made-up evidence from Democratic Party. I have a few friends who are, let's say they lean more liberal, and they are clutching their pearls, and they were so appalled that President Trump didn't accept the invitation to go participate in this clown show. Guys, that would be the equivalent of you going to brunch with a bunch of girls that you hate just so they can tell you how much they hate you. There's nothing behind it other than just hormones and emotion and rumors and hearsay. And (laughs) this was an absolute waste of money and epically pathetic display of legislation. Oh my God. There's a reason he was acquitted. <laughs> no one should be should ever have been willing to participate like this. But they got their say. They got to pop off. And Pelosi, she's hiding stuff. We're going to get into that one later. But there is a reason they pushed it so far. You aren't just living rent free in their head. They're trying to use you to hide things. And they've got social movement on their side because the media is full of crap. And if you haven't realized that and think that everything's just slowed down because because of what? 54 executive orders? No, dude. No. They're hiding stuff. So if I was Trump, I would continue to live rent-free in their head and play golf, which is exactly what he did. Make no mistake about it. The Democratic plans to impeach Trump began before his election in 2016. And honestly, they kicked off 19 minutes into his term, his one and only term, uh, Trump 2024, but as of right now, one, uh, there there was no justification or legal processes in place. They just needed to cause disruption. And he was being blamed for inciting violence against the United States, an, an insurrection. But the Democrats will lie, cheat, seal any means necessary, and they just set some very dangerous precedent because they are the ones who are actually the party of violence. It is cancel culture at its finest because they are terrified of how popular and powerful the MAGA movement is, still is, and is growing. And if you continue to poke the bear, it keeps gaining traction. Do you understand? You are going against the will of the people. You are trying to put them in a position of desperation. And we're not having any of it because that's not what America was founded on. So this impeachment trial was hearsay times three. It was hearsay cubed. As in Mark told Ryan told Ashley, are you kidding me? I mean, the high school at its finest, they went as far Evidence was presented. I mean, as far as to apply that little blue check mark, that Twitter check mark that makes you a legit source, y'all, they cropped it in. That doesn't exist. This is called falsifying evidence. They changed dates on presented evidence from way before uh, any of the January 6th events happened. They, they did it from like 2020, over a year ago. This is all based on rumors and misinformation, false information, and yet you want to blame the conservative movement for all of this, and you're doing it on the Senate floor. You're doing it in a trial. I absolutely love Trump's lawyer. I know that a lot of people were hating on him, like CNN, because <laughs> CNN couldn't keep up to his intellectual level, quite frankly. I mean, he is having none of this false information as a citizen, and he even says it at the end, as a citizen. He's over it. Stop it. He sees what you're doing. Look at this clip. I mean, I freaking love it. 
Joining me now is former President Trump's attorney, Michael Vanderveen. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Let's get right into those words that we heard from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He ended the trial with his passionate speech about President Trump's involvement in the insurrection. During it, he said that the former president is still liable for everything he did during his period in office. Are you expecting to face more charges against Mr. Trump in the near future, and do you anticipate being part of that defense? No, that's just political rhetoric, and I was hopeful that something would come out of this, that the political rhetoric would stop out of Washington, D.C., but I guess apparently it hasn't. Were you, though, surprised to hear those words coming from the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate? I'm not surprised to hear a politician say anything at all. No. Well, throughout... Throughout the trial, you denied that Mr. Trump had a role in inciting the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. You argued, first of all, that there was no insurrection. But during your closing arguments, you seemingly admitted that there was, in fact, an insurrection, using that word, saying that that, that was not up for debate. What role no, you, did the you, former you president you play? You didn't, you didn't understand the case. I used the word I'll give you the opportunity to clarify, my, sir. Sure. I uh, used the word insurrection in my closing argument when quoting the charging documents. Um, what happened at the Capitol on January 6th is absolutely horrific. But what happened at the Capitol during this trial was uh, not too far away from that. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case and when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate, to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think, uh, when, uh, when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out. Uh, I think it turned a lot of senators. The American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who, uh, who these House managers were. Uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was absolutely, it was shocking to me. Wouldn't have believed it. Uh Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence and uh, and the argument. They didn't, de uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. Viewers, they didn't deny it. Uh, to I be put it in front of them to be three clear times. For our viewers, what, what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how, wait, is that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. Wait, wait, wait! No, no, no! I am not a listen, juror in this trial. What I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to, because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay. No, not everybody. To doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully, respectfully I have not, not said it is. Question, I have not said it is okay, ma'am. Your question is. I want turned, to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I has to happen is the media has to start. The media has to start telling. The right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings, and as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you, and perhaps that will come out one day. But we won this case, and I'm not a sore loser, but what happened, or a sore winner, I should say, but what should happen is somebody should look at the conduct of these House managers. It, it, it's unconscionable, aside from all of the due process violations that my client had. And the media should be looking at at a square, straight way. A straight way. When I watch the news, I watch one station and it's raining. I watch another station at the same time and it's sunny. Your coverage is so slanted, it's got to stop. You guys have to stop and start reporting more like PBS does rather than uh, 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 
a TV news show that doesn't have any journalistic integrity at all. What I'm telling you is that they doctored evidence. And I believe your question says, well, it's only a Twitter check and, a, and changing a year of a date here. They switched the date of a Twitter a year to try to connect it to this case. That's not a small thing, ma'am. The other thing they did is they put Sorry. a check mark on something to, to make it look like it was a validated account when it wasn't. And when they were caught, they didn't say anything about it. They didn't even try to come up with an excuse about it. And that's not the way our prosecutors or our government officials should be conducting themselves. And the media shouldn't be letting them get away with it either. I'm tired of the biased media on both sides, left and right. What this country wants, what this country needs, is this country to come together, to take the left and the right and find a middle ground and start responsibly being our public officials, our elected officials. And, the new, and the re, one of the reasons why they do it is because of the media because the media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media, I'm not in front of your cameras all the time, uh, but what right. I've been subjected Sir, I, to I, I, this I understand, last week. I understand, yeah. and I've given you, you the opportunity. You don't want to hear the truth, yeah. Okay. I've given you the opportunity. I, I will remind you that what I said was that for our viewers who have not been following all of the hours of, of this trial, mm -hmm. to be clear about what you, what you are speaking about. And I understand I'm speaking that about you the House manager's upset. failure to prove their case. That's, that, that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if you'd I like did. to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a, slant, a, a slanted question, viewers, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. a little bit. You no. said, to be fair, it was it's only fine. a check on the Twitter. Not... That's what you said. You got to live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth and not try to right. create a narrative. Michael Vanderveen, yep. thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. That was good, right? That was pretty good. So look, people, when you are on the floor, you actually have immunity so that senators don't go sue other senators and they can make any claim. But what that means is because there is no consequence for misrepresentation, there is the opportunity to intentionally falsify presented evidence. So forget the media and forget the reporter from the clip trying to diminish the intensity of the lie, which is sick. I mean, liberals, they're actually there. You're watching the media actually justify falsifying information. I'd be thrown in jail for that. I would be disbarred for that. But are you really still, I mean, I'm asking a legit question here to liberals. After watching that, are you really still confused why there is such a movement, why there is a rise of the new GOP, the conservatives, why no one believes that Joe Biden won this election, why there is no unity and why the magma movement is growing? You cannot sit there and tell me that that's okay, what the liberals did, falsifying information. You can't tell me that if you tell me that you agree with that, then again, it goes back to by any means necessary. And you've completely discredited yourself because you don't care what the other side has to say. You don't care about unity. You don't care about moving forward or building America back after COVID. You care about silencing those that you do not agree with. And that is not a principle here. It's just not. Go to Russia. I mean, the only good thing that came out of this dangerous set of principles is that now we have the potential to impeach Harris. And let's see, Schumer's up next. Uh, Pelosi's probably, I mean, she's got so much Botox in her. She's not going to die. She's just going to like petrify right there with the gavel in her hand. You opened yourself up. You want to play by these new rules, but you don't like it when they're turned around back at you. And guess what? They're going to be turned around back at you because some point the old GOP will phase out and these new ones rising, these new leaders, these new voices, 
they're here to play ball. So be prepared. So speaking of getting rid of the old GOP, let's talk about the seven rhinos who decided to vote to drag out this impeachment, to vote against Trump. And everyone's favorite Utah Senator Mitt Romney is at the top of it. I mean, the failed presidential candidate who has been intentionally wreaking havoc across the GOP since 1994. Do not forget that this man was governor of Massachusetts, a state that is, you know, historically red. And obviously I'm being facetious there, but this man is neither is neither a Republican nor does he represent the will of the American people. He doesn't even represent the average Utah citizen. So why is he still in office? Why do we still give this man a microphone? And Jesus Christ, I mean, the media loves him because they know he's not a Republican. The upper echelons in Utah and the GOP, they're okay with how he he voted. And remember, he was the only GOP senator or self-proclaimed GOP senator to vote against Trump in the first impeachment trial because he has a vendetta. Romney, think about Utah, okay? There are certain cultures in Utah that are church-related that you, sure, you want to appeal to the upper echelons of your community, of your church, because those in power tend to keep power. But he has damaged his platform irrefutably with the people of Utah. And the overall GOP you know, outside of Utah, they will not protect him because they they don't see him as useful. I have seen reports that he is potentially another uh, in for another presidential run. Y'all, he is 73 years old and not one conservative or libertarian has forgotten how he quit in 2008. He quit. He disappeared. Not one person has forgotten how he literally walked away and disappeared the last two months and gave it away. All right. He didn't resonate with women because he doesn't care. It's not his ideas, not his culture. He doesn't like that. Okay, he is some sort of weird businessman, but his daddy set him up. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I I mean, I'm one. I've benefited from my family as well, but it, it produces to a certain extent a level of arrogance that you forget the climb or what it took to climb. And if you're if you get to bypass the climb totally, then you're just built on arrogance. But good Lord, if this rhino decides to run again, because, you know, grassroots efforts in the state of Utah are working to censure him, but the higher echelons who are in charge in Utah, they're okay with it because he's one of them. He's one of the millionaires. He's got the money. He's got the church approval. It's all good. But I have not forgotten. And I will be sure to remind everyone that the minute that man puts his name down on a ticket, that he is a quitter, he is a failure, and he does not represent the American people. So I have to ask Utah, to the the average citizen there, are you done with Romney yet? Because he's up for re-election in 2024. There is a grassroots effort circulating to censure him, but that doesn't really mean much. You, you don't out somebody by a censure. You simply publicly punish them and let them know that they are no longer representing you. But as we know, Romney has that vendetta against Trump, and he has a vendetta against the rising GOP because he has his own agenda. So Utah, I am asking, this guy is a quitter. He will always be a quitter. He is in it for himself. He can't even get elected. He's so in it from him for himself. So come 2024, are you done voting for him? Next up is Senator Richard Burr, and I know that he was the surprise vote. Nobody was really expecting him to go against Trump because I think he actually voted for Trump, but he has been censured by North Carolina. Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, now censured and rightfully so. Susan Collins of Maine. It is a blue state. No one gave a crap, and she's just going on her merry way. Uh, Lisa Murawski, he, she is out in Alaska and she, at first she wasn't getting censured because they actually changed the rules. She's in a pretty safe place so she can go rhino all she wants and move over to the blue. But Alaska is a state that literally wants to break away from the United States because they hate all of the chaos that is coming out of these blue states. I mean, there's a whole political group up there to make Alaska its own state similar to what we see in Texas. And this woman is, there is a push to have her censured. So she is getting punished by those, but it's taking a little bit longer. 
Ben Sass, Nebraska, censured. Pat Toomey, he already announced after making this vote that he wouldn't be uh, seeking re-election in 2022. So they didn't have to impeach him. He knew that, or censure him, he knew that he wasn't going to be doing it anymore. So he can go right now. The reality is you can't impeach a movement. You can't kill a movement. You've poked the bear enough to where the American citizen is fighting back. They are sick of these self-proclaimed elitists up on the hill, filling their pockets and ignoring the will of the people. We are over 78 million strong and growing each day because of the lunacy you see in the news and media and (laughs) the waste of money you're seeing up on the hill, the plethora of unprecedented executive orders from a president who rules like a dictator. And you're, you're wondering why the MAGA movement is growing. You should stop wondering. Uh, the, for those that are still against it, stop, stop asking stupid questions. You know exactly why it's growing. And it's over 78 million strong. So be prepared because come midterms, changes are happening. And thank God, because people are finding their voice. And I say it every episode. You can complain all you want, but what are you doing about it, right? What are you doing to change it? I say this across the oil and gas community as well, because we see so many, I guess, let's call them roundtables or panel discussions hosted by social groups. And (laughs) I'm sorry, but nobody is saying anything different. No one's saying anything innovative. But the question comes back to what are you going to do differently? And I say it every single time. Get a microphone. Find a voice. Be willing to complain out loud. Be willing to stop the conversation or push back in the boardroom and say, you know what? That's not actually what's happening. I know that nobody wants to lose their job right now, but there's so much opportunity out there that just being a yes man is why we're in the situation we are. Blue states, the constituents of blue states are fighting back. And as citizens are fighting back, they're they're fighting corrupt Democratic governors. That's really where you're seeing it. I mean, they are putting it in pen quite literally through recall movements that uh, they happen all the time all over the place. But the traction that recall movements are gaining now is very real because of artificially induced COVID measures. So Newsom in California, Cuomo in, Nor- in New York which, oh, federal investigation, that is going to be so interesting. I hope he's convicted because falsifying uh, deaths through nursing homes, you killed grandma. And that's just how it is. But more importantly and closer to home, Jerry Polis. Yep, old Jerry has made Colorado so bad that what was once one of the top 15 most prosperous states in the union has fallen into the low 40s. And he would have you believe that this is COVID-induced. But that's not true. That's just not true at all. It's so far from the truth that it's laughable because the evidence is on social media. <laughs> Colorado's unemployment, let me let me set a stage for you. Colorado's unemployment is 8.4%. All right, that is just in front of California, who is currently sitting at 9%. And I believe that's like the 46th, 47th, or 47th, 48th spot. That's pretty bad. Colorado was the seventh largest producer for oil and gas resources. I I think we're last now, actually. This all started before COVID. COVID is just the excuse, and don't get it twisted. COVID is the excuse. They're using that for all they're worth because they like the federal handouts, right? Let me point you back. And in case you need a little history here, I'm going to link it below. But my episode on the Colorado Project and how someone who was a third tier candidate, no one liked him. Nobody identified with him. Nobody liked his policy, how he became governor. It's very similar to how Kamala Harris, whose state literally said, you are too far left crazy for all the crap happening here in California. We are not voting for you. And yet somehow she is VP and Polis is in charge of Colorado. Listen to it. I'll put a few links below so that you get a little more information. But It's the Rocky Mountain heist. It is the Colorado Project. It is by any means necessary, discredit, disrupt, and attack. Okay? Jer Bear 
has intentionally attacked the energy sector here in Colorado. And yes, I said energy, but he's really after oil and gas. He has displaced over 80,000 jobs from oil and gas. And remember, there's the actual oil and gas worker, and then there are all these peripheral jobs. He is killing them. And I've seen reports that it's well over 120,000, but I can't find anything to back that up. So I'm going to stick with the 80,000 plus. Um, And it sounds familiar, right? Seems like he's just following the line of Biden or Biden's following him or which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But for economics, since math is truly the only universal language, every country you go to, numbers are the same. One plus one equals two in every single country. And it's almost beautiful. But for those who don't seem to understand basic economics, Oil and gas generated over $14 billion for Colorado. Okay, we were the seventh largest producer. We were the benchmark state. We have achieved environmental protections through oil and gas here in this state that have not been seen anywhere else in the world. And Jerry comes in and kills it for one of his homes where his partner liked to throw Halloween parties. He had an issue a vendetta, if you will. And he came in and pulled it out, pulled the rug out from under us. But this was money that was used for infrastructure, for schools, for wildlife. And where is that money now? The general fund has been very much depleted, which is why Jerbear is always up for a government handout, for a federal handout. But here's the thing that people forget. Trump said, you know what? This isn't a federal issue. This is a state by state issue. Governors have the right to make the decision for their state in regards to COVID, okay? So why are we going back to the federal government and demanding an omnibus bailout every three months? California's debt should not be Colorado's debt, should not be Florida's debt, should not be Alabama's debt. You know, the states that have been somewhat prosperous through the COVID uh, pandemic are sitting around less than 5% unemployment. And 5%, no, that's not great, but at least it's not 8%. Heck, Nebraska has 3%, and they remain mostly open. Are they going against the WHO and Fauci? So what? We're not seeing increased spikes there. We're actually seeing reductions, and this is a really good thing. So just kind of keep it in your mind. Where's the money flowing? Follow the money to understand the pandemic. Follow the money to understand the attack on oil and gas and the greed movement. This is not a COVID issue, and COVID is very real, but this is not a COVID issue. Although the downfall of Colorado, Jerry would have you believe that it is. And (laughs) the funny part is, is within two days of whatever decision California makes, Bear is making the same decision for the main counties here in Colorado. And it's produced artificially induced black swan responses. This is by design. It has gotten so bad here, ladies and gentlemen, that our most profitable county, Weld County, and I'm sure many of you have heard of Weld County. It is the epicenter, the heart of Colorado. I mean, from agriculture advancements to oil and gas production, it is everything. And that county is actively trying to become a part of Wyoming. Why? Because Wyoming has not put up a, you know, barricade of regulatory uh, acts that prevent people from doing business, essentially. They prevent capitalism. And the best part is, is that Wyoming is open arms welcoming it. Vicki Marble started throwing this idea around a few years ago. She's since been Uh, replaced with Barbara Kirkmeyer, who is a powerhouse in Wyoming. And they are supporting the secession efforts. Weld wants it. Wyoming wants it. The funny part is, is you know who doesn't want it? Jerry, because he wants the revenue flow from already existing production from the oil and gas wells. But he will sit there and stop us and kill the small operator at every turn he possibly can make. I mean, with a flash of his pen. And this man is so disgusting. I've heard multiple accounts where people go in to have meetings and he orders like spaghetti and just like basically eats it with his hands during the meeting. He, he's just a gross individual across the board. Very unkept, um, just very off the wall in it for himself. But next steps for this secession 
which again, they happen all the time, but this one, this one's actually gaining a lot of support. It would be for Wyoming and Colorado to get together in state legislation and approve the secession. So the Facebook group, go check it out. Weld County, Wyoming. It is alive. It is well. It is budding. I check that thing out almost every day. The petition has gained massive traction to the point where Colorado's Jerry Polis is worried. And he should be worried because he made Colorado a zero investment state. And we are plagued by the rhinos like Ken Buck and the lunacy, the Democratic lunacy, the liberal lunacy of our governor. So you know what? Weld County, Wyoming. I'm here for it. All right, folks, that was a mouthful. And there's so much happening in the local communities and there's so much happening behind the scenes. We have to be very careful in the media right now not to follow the bouncing ball. Rather, check behind the curtain. Be willing to ask what's happening behind the curtain. So I cannot put it all into one episode and I understand that is too long and I talk too fast. Here's what I'm going to do. Be sure to check back. I'm going to put together a few mini episodes over the next few days to kind of catch you up on all of the items that are happening behind the scenes that I've been doing research on as opposed to the main bouncing balls. So, okay, y'all. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. I really appreciate you bearing with me and being patient with me as I endured these last couple of kidney stones. And as soon as this last one's out of me, oh my goodness, we will be much more consistent. Um, I just, I refuse to do a show while I'm high on Percocet. (laughs) But please go ahead and leave me a rate and review on iTunes and please subscribe on YouTube. The more engagement I get from y'all, I mean, heck, y'all, everyone has been so amazing on Facebook, really spreading it around, sharing. I really appreciate it. But the more engagement I get from you, the easier it is for other people to find me. And that is what is so important because we have to build up every line of conservative commentary that is out there. We have to keep talking because we are intentionally being silenced through cancel culture and if they succeed in that, there's no hope for the future and the rising GOP. And I just, I will have no part of that. So again, I am Catherine Mills. You are listening to the Crude Audacity podcast. Have an awesome day. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, give them hell.